You are listening to World of Noise right here on X-Ray and the X-Ray Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bob Ham. Each week, I put the focus on the Portland music scene, talking with the people who are making music here and those folks that are supporting and encouraging the work of our local artists. On today's show... Listening to a track from Via Vale, a new heavy rock trio that hasn't put out an album yet, but has already become the talk of the town. That's thanks in part to the group sharing drummer John Sherman with Red Fang. But also much of the chatter has been about the group's leader, Keely Davis. Davis should be a name familiar to anyone who came up through the late 90s and aughts with an interest in post-hardcore and emo. He was a member of the beloved Virginia bands Engine Down and Denali, and for a few years was the guitarist in Sparta, a band that grew from the ashes of At The Drive-In. By 2016, he actually wound up replacing his Sparta bandmate Jim Ward in At The Drive-In, playing with the band during their 2016 reunion tour and helping record their last album, 2017's Inter Alia. While At The Drive-In remained in a holding pattern, Keeley decided to relocate here to Portland last year, and quickly got the itch to start making music again roping in his new friends John Sherman and bassist Jeremy Walsh to become Via Vale. With the band's first album in the works and a live show on the horizon opening for big business at Mississippi Studios on Sunday, February 9th, I jumped at the chance to get Keely Davis down to the X-Ray Studios to talk about his long career, jumping onto the fast-moving train that was at the drive-in, and his new creative outlet, Via Vale. Keely Davis, thank you so much for being on World of Noise today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, you are a fairly recent transplant to Portland, is that right? I am. I got here uh, July, um, last July. So okay. So what, I don't even know what year it is now. 2019. <laughs> As you'll learn through this interview, my memory is shit. <laughs> I have no, my brain is just... <laughs> so dates and all that stuff is it's out the window. That's all right. We'll yeah. help you out with that as much as I can. Cool. <laughs> so what brought you out here to the Northwest? Um, well, I grew up in Virginia. So I've lived there my entire life in right. Virginia. I went, I went to school in Savannah, Georgia for a little bit, but I've mostly just been an East Coast guy, you know, Southern East Coast. And um, my wife grew up in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved the West Coast because I, I, most of my life was being a skateboarder and music. And, you know, so the West Coast was everything I ever, you know, wanted. Sure. It, everything I ever looked at. Like, geez, and, you know, when the grunge thing happened, obviously, I mean, I was thoroughly impacted by that. It was just everything about this whole area. And um, so through all my years of touring and stuff, every time I come to the West Coast, loving it. And L.A. wasn't really my thing. Hmm. Um, San Diego's cool, um, especially for the scene there as far as, like, skating and all that right um but we have and portland was always awesome coming through and portland always reminded me i'm from richmond virginia mm-hmm. where i moved from and portland's got a similar vibe to richmond as far as the community it's very it's weird it's like the kind of like everyone's attitude about certain things about money about work it's it's very similar as richmond like richmond's it's, it's great to be in a band and a musician but Richmond's way cheaper, especially now. <laughs> I mean, I know then. Yeah. So um, moving here was definitely interesting for that case. <laughs> I'll bet. But um, yeah, I w- I, we were at a point, my family, where uh, 
my daughter was turning nine and we're like, all right, if we're going to do the move, because my wife was like, is, am I going to be in Virginia the rest of my life? Like I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> like I met, I met you, we got married, we had a kid. Now I'm here forever. And I'm like, yeah, all right, this is when we do it. We, we go now. And, um, it was tough cause I have a ton of family in Richmond and, um, you know, it's home. I love that place. But um, I often, I switch up my life a lot. So this is like, well, if we're doing the big move, we do it now. Right. When you moved here, did you have the intention of starting a band looking for a new musical project? Well, before I moved, I, so when I was in Virginia, it's a very long story. Like I, I always was in bands in Virginia since high school. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I got to a point um, in my third maybe in my late 30s I was burnt out I was done I had, I had done a band called Denali Engine Down I was, then I even after Engine Down I was like I'm done and then Sparta called me and I was like oh, I'm, I'm back in and then then when Sparta was done and that was the first experience I had with like a major label and like doing radio shows and all these yeah. things were like kind of killing me a little bit like it lost the the fun it was now a job I didn't know I was getting into that world right. you know and um so I was burnt. I was done. And I, and I was going to, I got married. I'm like, all right, it's time to settle down. I'm going to use my graphic design uh, background to start my career and that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I hit that hard and I didn't touch my guitar for a long time. And then, um, I got into, I'd always been into motorcycles. I got back into that, started building bikes again. And I got in a crazy accident in 2013 oh wow almost lost my leg i was like in and out of hospitals for like three years or something like that holy moly yeah m crazy operations i got to keep the leg which is great that is good a lot of metal in there but it's still there which is awesome um that kind of stopped the skateboarding <laughs> for sure. i was gonna ask that yeah, actually yeah. it's a bummer because there's so many amazing parks here i'm like damn it but at least i can just cruise around um but um so i was on the couch for like two years from that scenario like my wife just take care of me and I was, and she could see me just like losing my mind mm. and um throughout that process I always been close to my friend Tony who was in Sparta and also in at the drive-in and we and he they had started at the drive-in back up and I um I had heard they were getting things going for like a, a reunion, another reunion, and things just weren't working out. And he called me one day and is like, "Hey, could you fill in if things aren't working out with this with with one of the guys?" And I was like, "Dude, I, I haven't walked in like two years. Like, I don't know. Sure, first off, because I've been in a band forever and I, I have that spark. And my wife sees me like, you need to get out and do something again. But I don't know if I can walk again." And he goes, "All right, well, just I'll put you on hold then." I'm like, "Okay." So, so <laughs> technically, I was just like waiting for the call. They're gonna have the big conversation with one of the guys and just trying to figure out if they're going to continue touring. And then he called me called me up and said, hey, we officially want you to do it. If you could do it, we have like a, this sold out world tour. Can you do play guitar? And I was like, well, I had my last doctor's appointment in a week to tell me, and we'll do the last x-ray and tell me if I can walk, if how I'm doing. Um, when do you need me? He goes, we need you in two weeks. And I was like, jeez. <laughs> All right. Um, so I had the, I learned the whole catalog like chilling on the couch, playing guitar with headphones. And I went in for my last uh, x-ray with the doctor and he goes, all right, all your bone grafts have healed, your bones are touching, go for it. I was like, all right. And then I was on a plane two days after to go to Europe. 
No, I went to LA, flew straight to LA, and we just rehearsed for like two weeks straight, and then mm. I went to Europe and did a full tour. Wow. And it was crazy, because I literally was doing physical therapy on stage. Like, I hadn't used my foot in a long time, and then your adrenaline's going, you don't feel pain and stuff. And I'm right. like, yeah, this is great. Although I can't really go left quite as, easy as I could before. I continue going right, and I'm getting wrapped up in my cords, but whatever. Um, but I get off stage, and I'm like, Christ. And it's like, oh, did you twist your ankle? I'm like, no, technically I almost lost this leg and I'm using it for the first time in three years. So that got me back on, and it was great. It was the best thing I've ever had. I was in a really dark place before that. These guys bring me on the road was like, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I love being in a band. It showed me again what I loved about being in a band and touring and being with guys you really like and the chemistry and all that stuff. Um, so we did that for like three years, and one of the guys in at the drive-in is from here, from mm -hmm. Portland. And um, when I was taught, when I was realizing my whole life was changing. Because in the down period, I had also started a company in Richmond that was a post-production company um, with a friend. And we have been doing that for like eight years. I was in motion graphics. Um, it was called Mondial. And it was doing really well. We had you know big BFG, BF Goodrich. We even did Walmart for a while, which kind of killed me a little bit. But mm -hmm. um, you know, so all of a sudden, I was a 40-hour-a-week guy. And I never thought I'd be that guy. I, I, like, I was a boss. And I was like, what? The f I'm not a boss, you know? <laughs> My friend, however, great. He like it's it was all his idea. He it was his thing. He he killed it. So I eventually had to be like, look, this isn't my thing, hundred percent. Like I'm gonna have to go back to freelance and continue music. And so that was bittersweet. We broke up, but it was great. We're, I mean, he's actually my brother-in-law too. Which, oh, well, <laughs> which also, which happened. Yeah, my story is all over the damn place. But uh, there's nothing. But wrong that's with still that. great. Yeah, we're all, we're all tight, and you know, um, his business is still thriving, and I get to continue and freelance here mm -hmm. in post-production but um so um when after driving was slowing down um and me and my wife were talking about changing our lives because she had also been working at a college full-time she was an administrator there mm -hmm. and the rat race was killing her we were just in that time in our lives we're like is this what we want in our lives just to work our asses off like what's the point and richmond's awesome but me and her are also very outdoorsy and I like, you know, I love the dirt bike. I love to go skateboard. I like all these outdoor things. And Richmond wasn't cutting it clearly. And I saw what, you know, Portland offered. Mm -hmm. And her sister-in-law lives in Camas, Washington, which Not is very Not too close. far from here, yeah. yeah. So we're like, okay, we'll live near your family now. I'll get everything I've ever wanted in a city, <laughs> you know, <laughs> music, dirt biking, skating, everything. And, and a plenty of like uh, outlets to do my freelance work too. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just we decided to pull the plug and come not, or pull the something. Pull up come, stakes. The stakes, boom, <laughs> <laughs> and come and come here. So um, yeah, I think it, this all was about the question about starting a band here. Right. So when I got here, um, realizing that at the drive-in was on like a hiatus for who even I mean it could be years and years and years because they're doing another band half the guys are in another band which that could go on however which is you know we're all like yeah that's that's great because everybody's got their own things now right 
but I was on that band high. I'm like, oh, I want to keep going. And I had been writing songs for years throughout that whole touring scenario. I had just these a slew of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got here, I met some really cool people instantly just through the network of like, you know, I'd meet some dirt bike guys who knew these guys. And before you know it, you know, you realize how closely knit everyone, everyone knows everyone here. It's true. It's crazy. <laughs> I would, you know, every time I meet someone like, oh yeah, I own a house with this person and this person, we are in the same business together. I'm like, right. <laughs> so it's been so, it's been a blessing for me. And every day is awesome to where I see who knows who. I went through a, a couple iterations of this band. You know, I met one version had a couple people in other bands that they were kind of their things were kicking off. And I was like, "Well, do your thing." Like, I don't want my band to get in the way of what you already got it, that you're doing. Right. And um, because I have this band didn't have any really goals. Like, I wasn't about to hit up management and hit up the record labels and get <laughs> back. You know, I was like, I want this to be back to fun again and just create music again that I just like to do. Yeah. And um, so there was no pressure, no no timeline, no anything. Um, so. Through just organic luck, um, one of my friends who had me was like, "Oh, I know the perfect drummer, um, John Sherman. He plays in Red Fang." And I'm like, well, "He's very busy, but if he's into it, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love. I'm a huge fan of Red mm-hmm. Fang." And then John seemed interested in just trying something different that wasn't like Red Fang, which I know that feeling too because I've done two bands that are very different. And it's great to have that outlet. Oh, absolutely. And um, he seemed interested. I'm like, "Cool, let's do this." I mean. And he goes, I know exactly the bass player, my friend Jeremy, who we played in, he played in Party Time with me. Mm. And I was like, that's perfect because I love, chemistry is big for me. So I knew that those two guys already had a good chemistry. They're already buds. They've known each other for a long time. They're a great rhythm section. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like guaranteed, like I'm the, I might be the only odd man out. At least we <laughs> there's two guys that are good. So um, instantly, like the, we all cut from the same cloth. Like we're all this, exactly the same age, which is kind of, we're like, we're going to play out a record when we're all 43, you know. Um, it's all been a joke about how many people we know from our histories together. Sure. Because they're from the East Coast, too. too and um, I think our high school bands have possibly played together. You know, like that kind of it's thing. What are those you know? things? You guys yeah. are running on parallel paths for a totally. while. Yeah. So it's just been such, since we all got together, it's just been smooth sailing so far. It is such a great, I, I love hearing about the chemistry of the rhythm section and just how you fit into that because that's the sense that I got from the two tracks that you've released so far is there is this very, it feels like a very instantaneous chemistry between the three of you. It feels like a very locked in project that's been playing together for a while rather than just like a new band sort of finding their feet. That's great. That's exactly what I wanted it to be. And we've been playing these songs for a long time too, mm-hmm. um, focusing on crafting. It's kind of a joke. We have like five different versions of the album that we have right now like okay. we, because we keep rewriting we would be like i don't know let's try the song in in, the, in three three four now and, oh, let's try a, a drone version so we've like exhausted and some of that's my fault i can't i wake up with a different idea every morning sure but um i think we were like 
we just try these things and we're like, this is the exact form. This is what feels the best. Let's just keep with this idea. And, and, and every time we tried to stray out, it would, it would just fall on its face to me. Like, all right, we got it. Like, this is perfect. So we've been jamming enough to where it's supernatural, you know, and I think we, we can, I, I wanted to feel like, you know, when you hear a first band's first record, you can always tell they were touring for a while before yes, the record came out. Yes. And then the second record, you can tell they just threw it together. <laughs> so I, I, I want a lot that. of those. Yeah. yeah. And I've had that experience a million times and it's like, oh, no, one of the first record was great because we really ironed it out on the road and we went through the same experiences together, you know? So yeah. We've been playing these songs for a while. So that I hope that the, when the record comes out, it'll be that feeling, you know? So what are the plans then for the record coming out? We have, I'm currently actually tracking this, uh, the rest of the songs right now. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, it's been very organic. We just have like friends tracking it. I have a really good friend who's been mixing it. Like it's just been working with the people we know and without a, without deadlines and stuff and no label, no management or nothing. Okay. So it's so far it's been a hundred percent DIY, which is also fun. Cause I haven't done that in a long time, you know, like. Oh yeah, we'll screen print our own thing. I I, I hate screen printing. I, I won't do that again. But uh, so far, it's all DIY, and I think we may have exhausted that to the this point. Just because you know we all have other jobs too. So right, I probably will be calling on some help pretty soon. But um, yeah. So we just we got all the got all the songs. I'm finishing those up right now, mm-hmm. and then um, we'll just see what feels like a good fit. Wait till, wait till the bidding war starts for the labels coming knocking your door <laughs> yeah bidding war <laughs> yeah I mean those days too. are over but yeah <laughs> I know it's also interesting how the days because I even like I wake up every morning like it's so different now like I mean maybe I should just release a song by, you know a single every month you know you never know the, oh, the sure. format's so different now I'm like yeah I mean it costs $10 through CD Baby to put your music on every digital platform there is right so okay yeah. so why am I not doing that <laughs> but obviously the machine helps for sure you know to have the promotion and to have yeah so I just want to make sure that whatever machine we decide to get into is like a good it's got that family vibe like I'm used to from the early handshake label deals that yeah. I had before you know I might well the handshake's bit me in the ass a couple times but <laughs> I would love to get back to that I think I do want to get back to that period of your life and your career. And you said you grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I know you and your sister have played music together in a number of projects, Denali and Gloss, I think it was. Yeah. That project. Mm -hmm. So um, how was that growing up? Um, Was there a lot of music in your household or at least you and your sister kind of sharing resources in that way of just like, you know, oh, I heard this great record, check this out kind of thing? Yeah. um, Well, my, my parents actually met in a band they're in a band oh. called Best of Friends. They shredded. They were awesome. What kind of my dad still plays. Oh, um, you know, it's all covers and they didn't do Oh, okay. So it's kind of bar band kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, they went through a lot of awesome iterations. Like, you know, they had a full band that was definitely very 70s and my dad had big hair and stuff. And then they were like an 80s band where they had like the the drum machine and my mm. mom playing keyboards and big hair. I mean, it was awesome. They, they went through all the decades, but. Um, my dad is still going strong. He he loves it. He's a, he's he shreds on the guitar. Way I mean I can't I can't compete with him ever. But um yeah, so it came from them because mm-hmm. they had a you know they had the practice was in our house for their band. So we'd hear them playing, you know, on the boardwalk and crappy covers every <laughs> every day, you know. And our rooms right next to the practice space. But um um 
my parents were awesome. They were very supportive in everything that me and my sister wanted to do. And with my skateboarding career, I had taken that to a level where they were like, okay, we need this. Like I was sponsored and kind of competing enough to where they knew, oh, we need to like help them build ramps in the backyard. Cause I lived kind of out in the you know outskirts of Virginia. Okay. Like there wasn't much around. So my whole backyard was a ramp. It was, and that's where all the, all my friends would come to my house on the weekends and we would skate all day. And then we'd go into the band room at night and just play around, dork, dork around. And I had taken guitar lessons cause I was, I've always loved music since I was like in fourth grade. Molly crew was my favorite band. Like I was a huge glam rock head, like all wow. through elementary. I think even my, the principal called my parents in cause they thought I was starting a cult because some kid wrote Molly crew lyrics on a desk and blamed it on me. I was like, I'm not starting a cult. <laughs> In fourth grade, <laughs> but the Motley. Well, I guess maybe a shot at the devil. Were that the, was the, the shot, yeah, devil sure era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I wrote "Eat Me" on my arm one time. Didn't know what it meant. Yeah, yeah. they saw the bloody pictures. Like, <laughs> which is funny too, because you mentioned the gloss band. Yeah, it has an umlaut over the O. That's right. All because of that Motley Crue logo. I love the Motley Crue logo. I just wanted a band with an umlaut on it, and like, you finally did it. I'm, yeah, I'm done. I can rest in peace now. There's still time with Via Vale to you know throw an umlaut over one of the oh, A's or something. You know, maybe that would help. You know, I'm really bad with pronunciation. <laughs> so gonna... But yeah, so and and then Mara, she, I did, I took lessons just for a little bit and quickly hated having someone tell me what to do. And you know, I was listening to punk and I was all about Fugazi at that age right. too. And I was like, I'll do whatever I want to do. And so I almost self taught, but my sister was opera trained, vocally piano trained. Like she killed it with, wow. as far as taking her talent. And then the knowledge, putting it together. So, she, um, her grow, growing up, she was red. She was primed to be in a band, and I just struggled throughout. Like from day one, I just got in a band and didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then her first band was in college, and she was like primed and ready to go. So her first band just killed it right off the bat. Um, and and with me to give her all my horrible street cred <laughs> to, to help the band, but. Um, so yeah, that's how our, our paths went. Wow. Well, if you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Keely Davis. He is a former member of Engine Down, Denali, and Sparta. Uh, potentially a current member of At The Drive-In on hiatus at this point, but uh, his project right now is Via Vale, and they're playing a show on Sunday, February 9th, opening up for Big Business at Mississippi Studios. Very exciting. Now, yeah, when did Engine Down get underway then? When did it begin? Yeah, when did it begin? When was that? So the first, <clears throat> when Engine Down began, it was with like Jonathan, who I've known since kindergarten, um, and uh, Jason Wood. Th- these are all old friends that when we left for college, they went to Harrisonburg, and I went way down south to Savannah, Georgia, right. for art school. And they started the band up, up north. So I wasn't in the very beginning stages of Engine Down. Okay. There was another guitar player, um, Jeremy, and he actually wrote the first record. I just played the first record, but he he uh, wrote the first record with them. And their first tour, he said, uh, "This isn't really me. I don't want to tour. Um, it's not. It doesn't. It's, I don't feel like that's what I want to do with my life." And like, okay, cool. And then they called me up. I'm almost the guy that people call up. I was gonna say this. Is yeah, a, this is this is your day. story. <laughs> but and I actually just saw Jonathan came through with um, with the band recently. Um, and he was playing and I was just thinking about like, God, I owe everything to you because he, like we were in a high school band together called Herschel. <laughs> we <laughs> just did Jawbox covers. That is a great name. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and um, 
but yeah, he sent me um, like a uh, composition book, you know, those old school composition books. Mm -hmm. And he mailed it to me in Savannah and it said, Engine, do Engine Down US Tour. And it opened up and it says, you, you ready to do this? And it had all the dates on the first page. And I was just like, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> and I called him up. And he's like, yeah, you, I mean, you, we, we'd love for you to do it. I was like, all right, I'm down. So that's when it began for me. And I, of course, I can't remember. I feel like that was 99, maybe. That The first record came out in 99. So it must have been oh, sometime, right before after, that. sometime right around there. Then. 98, yeah. 99. Okay. Because right after the tour, we went in and recorded the record. Okay. So I, I'm playing the record, but I didn't write any of that first record. Okay. So yeah, I, you know, like you said, you knew Jonathan. This is Jonathan Fuller, the uh, other guitar player and mm -hmm. vocalist in the band. And as you said, you took over for uh, someone who was writing the songs. But was that an easy thing for the next record, which came out in 2000, to bury within the sound to write songs for this band and sort of have that creative output for yourself? Or did you already have some songs in your back pocket? You were like, well, this will work for this band. That was super organic and, and also a lot of trial and error, which there's a song called Trial and Error on it. <laughs> but, um, we literally, so my problem is when I get involved with something, I kind of obsess with it, like over obsess and I can't stop messing with it and I have all these ideas and visions. So before I knew it, I kind of was already like grabbing all the guys like, we're going to do this. Like I didn't, I didn't even realize I was becoming like the main vocalist guy like i don't even know how that happened i was just i was like <laughs> i got these ideas and then all of a sudden i'm like wait i'm a front man i don't i didn't sign up for that either <laughs> i'm not a good front man but um i just had all these ideas and no one else was they were like fine with it so we just kept going you know and so we had this one song um it was one of the bigger songs whatever <laughs> but we wrote that we played this one song for literally a month and just mm -hmm. kept playing and playing and playing and, it, and, the, and the second we were like wow this is this is really great Oh, Intent to Pacify, I think that's what it's called. Okay. Um, once we wrote that song, we were like, okay, I think this is the new path. And then every other song were, were built the same way. Like, it was a very, like, someone just comes in with one idea. I never even wrote, I never had, like, whole ideas ever for that band. We would just come in and jam stuff out and organically put piece, piece things together. Okay. So that was... um. And that was just, a, you know, and that happens when you just got a bunch of self-taught musicians who were just trying stuff out constantly. It's not the most efficient way to do anything, you know. But, <laughs> but if it you creates, have the time. Yeah, if, and, you know, I feel like that's, you know, we were young, we had no money, nothing else to do. And, and you just create something, I feel like, more unique because we had no idea what that we were doing. it out and that became kind of this organic new sound of engine down okay now around that same time or maybe you can correct me on this it feels like around that same time is when denali started getting underway as well yeah let's see that was yeah so the second engine record came out and then yeah right 
before the third Engine Down record came out because Denali started... We actually did this two records at the same time. But yeah, me and Jonathan also were having that craving to do something a little bit moodier and darker. Mm -hmm. And my sister had just moved to Richmond. She was she just left college. And I was like, hey, this is our chance to like play together. And I was super casual. Like, let's just jam. Jonathan and me have always been rhythm sections in bands. Like in Inch Down, we both play guitar right. and I sang. But through high school and in my college days, I was always bass and he was always drums. So like if you ever listen to Sleepy Time Trio, he played drums on that. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like he's Jonathan's an amazing drummer. It's a great band. Yeah. And so we were like, hey, let's we'll be rhythm section again. Like go back to that and we can create we can just totally rip off Radiohead, Portishead. Like we'll just make that kind of music that we love. <laughs> nice. And Mara's got this great voice and and she writes really amazing dissonant piano melodies and all this stuff. So we just started doing that. And um before we knew it, we just had interest from a label and like, oh f this is like this is a band now. Like we're gonna put out a record and tour. And then we're like Okay, we have two bands doing at the same time. <laughs> so that was hard. Not to speak for more, but was that difficult for her to have your your and Jonathan's interests sort of pulled in two different directions during that time? Mara was very easygoing. I mean, this was her first band, you know, so okay. everything was exciting for her. And she, from day one, did not like the struggle. Like, she's not about sleeping on floors and about, like, which I think some bands, you know, they love that part. Like, oh, we're going to go on tour and we're not going to eat for a week and we're going to just, you know, we're going to do it. Gonna go, go, go. Mara, no way. Like, she if she, she would totally take a tour bus in a second. And when I get it, 100%. <laughs> like, it's not her world and I I'll totally understand it. So she didn't mind that, like, you know, if things were getting better and all that stuff, me and Jonathan were flipping out just because we wanted to make sure we were giving enough time to each band. Yeah. So she didn't notice that me and Jonathan, I think, were really like losing it a little bit, <laughs> and um, and it was it was she, they, I think she understood when we had to kind of bow out and like look we need to focus on kind of Inja Down was like our baby so we felt like we needed to focus on that and right so she was uh, she was bummed but then th she got a couple of awesome guys from Chicago to fill in for like a couple tours okay because it seems like the 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 timeline of both of those bands ran simultaneously with you sort of, you know, connecting with it, but then, you know, pairing off a little bit to continue with Engine Down. But then it seems like both projects kind of ended around the same time, in around 2004, 2005. Yeah. Oh, she, let's see. She actually, Denali kind of fell apart um, shortly after me and Jonathan left, and she started a new band okay. with the same guys. And um, she unfortunately got pulled into that stupid uh major label rat race where they like shelve your record and everyone's telling you you're gonna be the best thing in the world and then they just disappear like yeah. that whole crap you know so she got burnt on that and and um her new band and our and engine down actually uh, the last engine down tour we ever did was with her new band okay so that was i was like hey we're doing our we're doing our like farewell tour you have to bring you know we, we should tour together so that was fun 
Like we would sing a song every night together. Oh, nice. It was a cool last way to go out. But she was done after that. She's like, <laughs> I, I'm just going to be a nurse and have a family and love that. That's her life. She loves it. Yeah. She. I saw her over Christmas and I got her to sing a couple things on this new Via Vale. I always pull her in. I'm like, I need you another second. <laughs> but she, I could see her. She was like, wait a minute. This is fun. Like, I, I'm, I was like, hey, just, you know, I know you're in Richmond and I'm in, but we, there's the internet. We yeah. can connect it. Let the spark a little more yeah. there. Yeah. So that last engine down tour, you guys knew that was the last one. Yeah. We had, let's see, there was a Europe tour where we all sat around and we talked like, okay, we're done. Because a couple things had happened where, like there was a U.S. tour. We put out our last record, and it went out to went to Lookout Records. We also got kind of screwed by the major label scenario too. Right. We recorded and stuff. Um, you know, all the you know, that was a time. You know, when emo was a thing. You know. Yeah. And so we were kind of being shuffled around in that mix too, and uh, major labels were saying this and that. And then we actually, I think we, had, I was actually talking with someone. We actually signed a deal, and learned that we were going to get screwed. And we told the de- the uh, person delivering it to rip it off before we got there. So we had signed a deal, and on the way, to, we were like, no, we're going with Lookout Records, who um, we just had some friends and stuff, and, and they were like, we would, you know, we'd be into it. And we're like, interesting. It was uh, Ted Leo and the pharmacist were oh, yeah. there. So we knew them, and like, oh, this could be fun. I mean, it's a totally different avenue than what we're used to, but why not? And then I remember we were in Europe, and we are like, are you burnt out? And we're like, yeah. So we are like, oh, Let's do one more tour and call it quits. And okay. Like, cool. Let's do it. That'd be fun. Well, let's move on now to when you got roped in to be a member of Sparta. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? That was um, as Engine Down was preparing for the the farewell tour. We were booking that up. Just a one U.S. tour. Um, I'd always stayed in contact. So Engine Down and Sparta did a tour together mm-hmm. back in the day. We. We first did a tour with Thursday and became friends with them. Great guys. And then on that tour, Thursday was also friends with Sparta. And Sparta was asking, hey, do you know anyone in the tour? And Thursday recommended us. So now all of a sudden we went out with Sparta and we came buds with them. It was a great tour. So after that, I continued to be in contact with them because I would do their, like, I did a website for them for the new record since I was doing freelance graphic design. So I had always continued to stay in contact with them and their management. I think I saw a picture. I saw something that the guitar player left, um, and I texted like a picture of all my guitars, like joking around, like "Hey, you need someone to give me a bit." And it was like a really bad, like <laughs> me posing in front of my guitars. You know, like it looked like some '80s Guitar Center right. shot. <laughs> and then before I know it, their manager actually calls, calling me. He's like, "Would you really do it?" And I was like, "Oh." Like, this is, I was thinking of staying home, you know, like, and I was talking to my wife and she was like, and Sparta was on another level. Like, you know, they were, yeah, down, never got, we were, I mean, we struggled the whole time. It paid the bills, but it was always a struggle, but great experience. But Mm -hmm. Sparta, we, you know, we toured them like, these guys are doing the bus and these guys are doing the comfort. And, you know, (laughs) this seems kind of fun. They had, you know, major label backing. They had support. Yeah. It's, you know, we saw that world. So I was like talking to my wife was like i know i said i wouldn't do this anymore but like <laughs> she's like if, if you give it one more shot i feel like you would you feel like you could kick yourself if you didn't try this right and i was like yeah okay
so I jumped in and they were which I didn't realize they were in a bad spot too when I jumped in like they really they weren't on a label anymore they the everybody was in bad spirits it was a, they weren't in a very happy place when I joined so it kind of started we got a new label and I was with them on a new growth you know mm-hmm. like with a new label a new re- we wrote a new record together and so that was a lot of fun we had a lot of fun and then I and bonded with those guys even more was that difficult to bring yourself into the writing process of this band that had already kind of been established and had a sound established and had relationships writing-wise at least established? Was that easier or difficult to sort of get yourself in there to get your opinion or your sound heard? Um, I think back on that, like, they were super open to ideas. They, they, you know, like like I said, like, I tend to kind of bombard things sometimes when I jump in. <laughs> And before I knew it, I definitely had like, oh, how about this? How about this? Let's try this, you know? And I remember stepping back like, ooh, I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be like the, not the, like the Yoko Ono, but like the one that like, <laughs> Sparta was way better till this new guy jumped in, you know? Right. <laughs> and, um, but me and Jim, the singer, um, we had similar, we, we also realized we had similar, uh, we're cut from the same cloth, like had similar interests and grew up listening to the same stuff and, I would always stay at his house when we would write. So I wasn't being in El Paso for months staying at his house. Mm-hmm. And we would just like listen to records and we we would talk about what we wanted to do with the new record. So we kind of had a vision. I, I knew going forward that like we were on the same path so I didn't feel inhibited to bring up my ideas because I knew we were all, like I wasn't trying to be like, instead of playing metal, let's play country. You know, I was like, <laughs> we're all trying to do this, so let's, let's right. push this. Yeah. It's not, it's not like Engine Down and Sparta were like terribly dissimilar sound-wise. I'm just always curious about that because, like you know, like I said, you know, this band had already been going for a while up to that point and to, you know, jump into jump into something like that midstream has got to be a little daunting. Yeah. I, I, I was naive in that I didn't think about it enough. That's, pro- that's probably for the best. Yeah, I think yeah. I would have flipped if I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Which at the driving was a different experience, but Sparta for me was like, yeah, let's make this band awesome. And I didn't think much about what we had to, what was what we were following, and all these things, you know. Okay, you might have been just the spark they needed to get that third record done. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not for me to say, man. Hey, man. <laughs> So I'm speaking with Keely Davis. He is, uh, as we we're speaking about, a former member of Sparta, former member of Engine Down, current member of Via Vale that are playing on the Sunday, February 9th, opening for Big Business at Mississippi Studios. How long, uh, in your experience with Sparta, like how long did that go before you got the call to do At The Drive-In? Um, well, Sparta, we did. So we did a run. We did a new record. We did the whole... Um, world tour thing and then we called it quits we mm-hmm. were like or even hiatus we we, we, were, we didn't really say anything we we're like i you know oh i remember t- we were in new orleans and tony was like i'm having a kid and we we're like holy shit. and we all <laughs> we all knew like yep we're gonna take like it was a it was a positive thing we we're yeah. like this is a perfect time for all of us to like because it, it was also on a decline first we were like burnt you know and like we played the game and some things worked out some things you just like like, I thought I said we weren't ever going to do a tour like this, and now we're doing that. You know, like one of those scenarios. Okay. So we were ready. So we all went home and didn't talk for a little bit. And Tony started family, which was great. And then um, and then we just got back to, and then we got back, and I started my business in 
and Richmond with my friend mm-hmm. did the post-production thing. Well, let me backtrack a little yeah. bit before we get into the at the driving years, because I, I did <laughs> want to ask about that experience of, you know, you were on like Love It Records, Jade Tree, Lookout, very independent labels, small independent labels. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, obviously I think Jade Tree and Lookout got a little bigger thanks to working with bands like, you know, The Promise Ring and Green Day things like that you know they were they were known but you know sparta was a completely different thing so sparta was on hollywood records and anti which are you know anti is i guess kind of like that middle ground between the indie label and a major label mm-hmm. you know where they can sign someone like tom waits or nico case or something like that but you know it still feels a little grittier than just you know than a big like warner brothers or something like that but how was that to to move into that world and seeing the demands that get put on a band in those in those label situations and doing tours like that. And like, as you said earlier, it turned into kind of a day job. Yeah. I mean, that that's <laughs> Hollywood. It was owned by Disney. Right. So you can imagine we're like, what, wait, what just happened? <laughs> like, what are we, are we trying to kill any street cred that we have? Like, what is this in the, and Hollywood's whole thing was like, they wanted a band to be their street cred band or whatever. So okay. when, when you hear that from a label, it sounds like what they're saying is we'll give you attention and, and you're important to us. So we're going to do things to help you out where any other label, you can just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. So we're like, okay, I mean, yeah, they're owned by Disney and they put out like Miley Cyrus or whatever. I don't know, like all these Disney artists, <laughs> but they're talking about giving us some special attention. Like who gives a sh- we'll able on just so that our music gets heard right and um and there's a budget to do what we want to do so yeah it was weird going to like the disney the universal studios like walking in to like talk to them and like you seeing you know it's it was so trippy i think i saw tim allen like when i got out of my car and he's on the other side you Whoa, know it's just, yeah it was really weird <laughs> hanging out in la that long um but um yeah it, it kind of like it hurt me hurt my soul a little bit because yeah. It, it it's hard not to influence the music and what you and like what am I, what happened to the days when I was I loved the grit and I loved the tour and like I I love eating only Taco Bell, only because every little step of growth was was all I wanted. I wanted like the next show to be ten more people there and yeah. that would make my day. You know that was a that was for any small band that's a huge thing. Just those little things that keep pushing you forward. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because and that that's what gets you up in the morning. You just want to what's the next little thing we can like do that beat the next thing or yeah. whatever so now when you're on a label like Hollywood and you see like you're only just trying to compete with Tim Allen <laughs> 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 it just kind of it messes up your perspective a little bit where you're yeah. like well what are we doing I don't know so it bummed me out a little bit for sure like you know you have crazy budgets for videos remember we did a photo shoot and they put so much makeup on our faces and we're like no don't worry like it, it, it we're doing that because you, the camera takes away the make. I had the weird. They had the weird excuse, like, dude, I know how cameras work. This <laughs> gonna show up. And the next day we see, it, like, we look like Cinderella, like from the eighties. You know, like, I don't understand what happened. Like, why? Why is this what our band is right now? Uh-huh. Um. So you know, you have some of those annoying dinosaurs out there <laughs> that are just like, we're gonna make a big rock band. But um, but then the anti thing happened after. I think they just like. Hollywood eventually dropped us because like they yeah. didn't become I think clean. Hollywood kind of dissolved at a certain point in yeah. there too yeah but you know having Anti come in and sort of save the day and get this third record out must, that's must awesome Anti, great. we were yeah. like oh it's rad yeah okay let's get into the at the drive-in year so as you, you said earlier you got the call 
from um was it tony in the band that tried to rope you in on this or was it someone else tony was the was the one with those kind of telling everyone like because i only knew tony wait i take it back i knew paul a little bit because paul was in sparta when engine down toured with them together Mm -hmm. but i didn't see him very much and then i replaced him in sparta (laughs) and paul so paul is the guitar player in sparta i replaced him and he's a bass player not the driving right so I knew, barely knew Paul, but definitely knew Tony. Me and Tony, he's like my brother. We're very different, but like we complete, he, he's almost like my, he is the opposite of me, like how my wife is opposite of me, but he completes me, you know? Like he's super organized, go-getter, and I'm just like by the seat of my pants, like go, <laughs> I just like jump in a fire or whatever. So we, we, we work well off each other, and um, he hit me up just to ask about it, and I was like, sure. And then when, they, when he, call, he called back, and he goes, hey, man, and I go, and I go, what's up? And then all the guys chimed in. Like it was a, it was like a, it was a, a conference, conference call. call. Yeah. And, and I remember my only, qu- <laughs> he said, are you ready to do this? And I said, shut the up. That was my only response. <laughs> and they were all like, what? Like, why is this guy? <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't mean it like that. I mean, like, are you serious? You know? So that my, my first talk with Cedric and Omar was me telling them to shut the <laughs> up. <laughs> So yeah, I'm surprised I was, they didn't appreciate that more. Come on, guys. <laughs> and my only question was like, I need to get a suitcase, and Elmer was like, I'm glad that that's your only, that's your only carry. Right <laughs> now that you need concern. to get a suitcase, <laughs> where there's way bigger things to worry about, right? right? Like your passport is expired, and we're leaving in a week. You know, like you haven't walked in three years. Yeah, yeah, it was a trip. So you, did you do a tour with them before you made Inter Alia? Yeah, we, um, so we, yeah, we did a bunch of, we did a whole US tour. We did some Europe stuff, some festivals, knowing that we were going to go in and do a new record. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, yeah, we, we just were writing stuff on the road. Actually, we brought um, a friend of Omar's to like set up like a recording scenario in like a room backstage. Oh, okay. So it'd be like a, a triggered drum set and things like that. So whenever something kind of sh- struck you, we'd go back there and come up with some stuff. So we were trying to write as much as we could on the road because we knew everyone lived in... So I lived in Virginia, um, Tony and Cedric in LA, Omar's in El Paso still. Right. You know, we know it was going to be hard to get together. Tell me about playing festivals with this band because this is a band that... Anyone who knows at the drive-in, there's a huge following for this band. When when they announced that there was the reunion tour, I remember this, that there was so much excitement about the tour and everybody, all these people that I know online freaking out about getting tickets. And you guys are playing like big festivals as well. I think you guys played Coachella in the midst of this. Do I have that right? Coachella, I think, was the first show they ever did. Was that with kind you of, or no? That no was before okay. Me. So yeah. Oh, okay. This is together. when Jim was still with the group. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'm, okay. I should have told you they did do tours with Jim. Yeah, I, I do remember That's that, right. but I just meant for yourself. But yeah. still, um, you know how that is. I mean, Sparta is. You know, they were successful enough that they had a good following. I think at the drive is a totally different level in that yeah. world. I think now, again, someone coming from you know the punk rock indie 
labeled background, like walking out on stage and seeing that many people there freaking out about this band that you're in. How does that affect you? I'll tell you. <laughs> the I remember in London, I had my first panic attack on stage. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was not cool. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, I was like, I've experienced anxiety before and panic mm. attacks before. So I knew what it was. I'm not dying, but it felt like I was dying. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to die in front of everybody right now. Like, it was... What was that place? It was, I mean, Led Zeppelin had played there. It was like, like Hyde you know, Park. No. Um, see, this is where I don't remember. Okay, anything. yeah. The names. <laughs> I remember it was a two. De- it was a big ordeal. I imagine I was like, oh my god, you're playing the blah blah blah. They're all from there. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was a big deal, and um, yeah, it was. If I if I let my brain think about it, it would be a little too much to handle. So yeah. often I would just go out there and be like, all right, we're just going to give them the show that we. And, and then if I didn't think about it, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, I, I was able to deal with it. Like, it was... Yeah, the festivals were crazy. And Mexico was crazy. Yeah, it was all crazy. Oh, yeah, Mexico was insane. Yeah, even the small shows were crazy. I mean, I've never seen a crowd that just, it just never stopped moving. You know, like, that kind of energy is really intense. Yeah. So, um, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other part I wanted to ask about is, as you said, you were coming back from a serious injury. And, you know, your leg had just healed months before. But, you know, it's not like at the drive-in, it's like a shoegaze band that just stands there and does nothing. Those guys go for it yeah. every night. Um, how was that for you? Because obviously adrenaline takes over at a certain point and you kind of get yourself into it. But were there limitations? Did you start hitting walls when you were playing shows with your physical issues? Yeah, like Tony knew what I was like. In Sparta, I was a bit of a, I'm, I've always been like an active player. Um, you know, I've, you know, I grew up listening to Fugazi and, you know, like Guy is my biggest inspiration. So, I, you know, that's normal to me. Like, that's how a show goes. Yeah. One of the most physical performers I've ever seen. That anyone's ever done. Everyone, anyone has ever seen on stage, that guy. He's right. insanely great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, at the drive-in, it's just as influenced to where I knew, like, oh, this will fit. This will be fine. We come from that. We all understand this. Right. But I remember, like, like, Tony knew in Sparta, I did that a lot. Like, I mean, there's definitely a lot of... I was like, I'm like the clumsy acrobat that somehow doesn't kill myself. Like, <laughs> people would call me rubber band boy when I skated because I, I would almost kill myself all the time, but not, you know, <laughs> until I did it, I did knock on wood. But, um, so going in, yeah, I was like, like, I, I definitely can't, I can't run now at all. Like I can't, so there's definitely limitations because yeah. my, my, my ankle is fused together. Um, this leg's actually a little bit shorter than my right leg. Like it was destroyed. Wow, you so, really did yourself a oh, number I did there, it man. I was in the hospital for like three weeks. Yeah, but um, but the, the biggest limitation, like I said, was because it was way weak in the very beginning. I had a lot of muscle atrophy. I couldn't put a lot of weight on it to, on my left leg, so I couldn't turn left. I literally was like a what am I thinking of the 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 model movie. Uh, where he couldn't turn oh, left. Oh, Zoolander? Zoolander. Yeah. I was Zoolander. I could not go left. <laughs> and the joke was, I I always would go right, and then I have to go right again. And I would, so I'm doing a circle, and I literally would be wrapped up like a cocoon from my, my cable. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go wireless because of that. But, uh, so that was my limitation for sure. But, um, but the crazy thing was it actually helped me, since my, I've always been a, um, a loosey-goosey, physically kind of person, mm-hmm. that my, that, it helped a little bit. Like I can almost eat it and then pull it out. So it looks like I'm doing it on purpose, but t- I'm actually almost falling, <laughs> but it, it has a very gee esque thing to it. So it worked out and it had to drive it, but I did, I've gained a ton of strength now. Now I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm way better. So. Okay. 
how was it getting into the studio with those guys to record Inter Alia? Getting into it? Yeah. It was crazy. I'd never experienced... So I thought when I was joining at the drive-in, I knew that they also came from the, like, cut your teeth, like, tour, it's all hard, and no one knows what they're doing yeah. until we go into, this, you know, whatever. But they are on a professional level that I never really experienced before to where, like, when we were writing, they're all about the instantaneous moment of things. Like, Cedric's brain is firing gems every second and you gotta grab them as fast as you can so when you're writing it's like there's not time to jam on something and to be like let me just try this and it's like get it down go blah, 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 because he's getting ready to shoot something else out So that was the first time I was experienced like, like I gotta really be on my game. Like I can't just be in my own world for a second. Like they're doing, but let me just, I wanna try this in dissonant version and blah, blah, blah. You had to be like, so the course does, okay, you know. So I had to literally like the first week, I was like, God, this is so, it's going so fast. Mm -hmm. So um, once I figured out that's how their chemistry is and, you know, I had to have some talks and like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, I don't know if I'm the right guy. Like, I, you know, Tony being my mentor guy, you know, he was like, don't worry like you'll figure it out and they go, okay so it did end up working out and the studio was awesome like they, they're as being as fast as they are they're also very open to ideas too so okay i was definitely able to add my own flavor to things and and um and it was yeah it was like no overdubs no nothing like we just it was all a lot of it was live oh wow yeah i mean it was it was raw even the um the producer who was helping you know, record engineering, he had to like, he had to like even train himself not to be like he is. Like, no, this there's is, no overdubs. There's, this is Rich Costa you're talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. He actually broke a chair on accident because he knew he was like, he was like, no sitting down when we're tracking. Like, this is, you know, he's like, I get it now. And he was like, we're gonna go crazy. And he picked up this chair and threw it. And it was like this expensive ass European, like, <laughs> and he broke and he was all, oh, damn it. He was all bummed out. I was like, well, no, this is right. This is what you want. Like, yeah. we need to throw chairs in the studio to get this. Like, cause Tony, even when rehearsing, he does not hold back. At, I mean, he looks like he's wants to kill you when he's playing drums. And it's like, totally, we're just like, we're doing one track of this right now. Like, you don't have to kill me yet. But it's it's a beast, man. It's yeah. crazy. It's it's you know full steam ahead for sure. Wow. So now things with at the drive-in are essentially on hold for the time being. Uh, as you said, I think Cedric and Omar are working with the Mars Volta again or working on that project or other things. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that? Do you hope that that takes back up again that you can get back into the the swing of things with those guys i'm always open to anything i never like <laughs> yeah i don't have any regrets ever like to where i'm like ah oh, that sucks i'm always like oh that's cool you know yeah. my path has led me here now and this is awesome there you go so if this just continues i'm stoked like i'm i'm in heaven and if that driving picks up again like i would love that too just because i mean i ran we randomly talk to each other just you know it's it's annoying just to be only texting with people that you've spent three years together every yeah. second so obviously it'd be great to see them again and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, of course we're all down. That's great. Yeah. So you have, uh, I think, most of a record done uh, for Via Veil. I mean, what are the plans beyond that? Are you talking touring? Are you talking anything? I mean, what 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 comes next? Do you Have you thought that far ahead or are you just taking it moment to moment at this point? Um, we have. I mean, I want to, this is my main priority now for sure. Okay. And, um, you know, I had 
that like romance of like being this DIY again and like we're just gonna but I'm like dude I'm like we're all in our mid 40s like I'm not gonna I, <laughs> obviously I'll take the help and I'll take the you know yeah but starting from scratch is pretty awesome it's, I, we haven't done any of us in this band haven't done this in a long time where mm-hmm. we started from scratch like how the, how do you book a show like I don't even remember like <laughs> I can't call someone who's like hey book me a tour like we actually have to reach out and, right which is great you know and 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 it feels brand new so it's so super exciting to where like I said where every little thing is exciting so every little step so it's been a long process so far because we've only been going like baby steps like oh we booked our first show and that was a big deal we're like we're so stoked and like 150 capacity plays like this is the best thing ever what was the show where was the show that was the high water mark oh okay it's a great place for a first show yeah I mean yeah. I was I haven't been that was I was almost as nervous then as the, when I had the Pantech in New York and in uh, London really yeah I mean it was like because I haven't played a brand new show and I haven't been like the main vocalist in a while right either. you're the center of attention yeah, yeah. I, I'm not much for banter I'm not the best at, I'm like oh Jesus Christ I gotta do this again but um but the guys are so, and we were all, you know, we were all like that. We were all so giddy with, you know, this is a new band. We're all very excited. Nice. So again, Via Vale playing on February 9th on Sunday at Mississippi Studios, opening up for Big Business and Death Eyes. My guest has been Keely Davis, the guitarist and vocalist for Via Vale, and again, former member of Engine Down Sparta, current member of At The Drive-In. Keely, thank you so much for coming down to talk with me. Hey, thanks for having me. I feel like I talked my face off. That's it for this week's World of Noise. I want to thank my guest, Keely Davis, and I want to thank you for listening. If you missed any part of the show or want to check out previous episodes, head over to xraypod.com or to wherever you get your podcasts to become a World of Noise subscriber. Be sure to listen in next week when I'll be speaking with Nicholas Solis Harris, the co-founder of the Sold Out Music Festival and the man who opened the Jack London Review, about his new role as the creative director for PDX Jazz and the Portland Jazz Festival. And we'll welcome singer-songwriter Mo Troper into the studio for another edition of Take 5, where I ask a local artist to talk about five songs that were important or influential to their work. All that and more next week on World of Noise. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>